Good morning, everyone. Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Perfect. Hi, I'm Donovan Brown, Principal DevOps Manager from Microsoft, and I'm here with Manil. He's back because his last show was so popular. <laughs> you guys had tons and tons of questions, and he was polite enough to come back. Remind people what you do here at Microsoft. Yeah, hi, um, hi everyone. I'm Manil Shah. I'm a Director of Engineering here okay. in the Visual Studio Team Services team in Redmond. Perfect. So we got tons of questions after we talked about it, and he was kind enough to come back, and he's actually set up some PowerPoint for us so he can talk us through those questions that we got. And one of them was about the deployment rings and, and how they work. So why don't you give us a little explanation of what's happening. Yeah, just so just as a recap, um, um, we have, uh, we, we use safe deployment practices, Correct. a way to control exposure uh, of our bits to customers. Right. And so we do this through uh, what we call rings. Uh, the bits flow through rings. And this is, uh, the, the slide shows the definition of rings. So we have ring zero, which is, um, it is a scale unit. It's a single scale unit called ring zero. Uh, that's the first scale unit where the code gets deployed, and it's also the scale unit on which our team runs our own engineering system on Correct. it. So we eat our own dog food. That's a you know yes. age-old practice at Microsoft. Um, it's uh, it's a data center in US West Central. Okay. Uh, and as Ethan says, it's an internal only. And the idea is to just find because we have a high tolerance for finding bugs. Our own team. Sure. So that's where we deploy the code first. Now, interestingly. Um, while we deploy here first, it used to be that we would find then issues that um, uh, are in, uh, um, you know, that hit us from uh, uh, Europe West uh, okay. data center. And we're like, we haven't even deployed uh, our issues there, what, what's going on? And it turned out that some of our platform teams, like SQL Azure, they, they deployed there first. And so one mm. of the things that we have done um, now in all of CNE or in uh, all of Azure is that everybody deploys to this kind of a canary uh, uh, data center first. So gotcha. everybody's in US West Central, so we can find all our bugs there first before the bits are exposed to customers. I see. Then we move on to uh, Ring 1, and Ring, Ring 1 is a small data center, so let me just, uh, uh, and the idea is that b although we use our product, we use quite a bit of our product, we may not use every single scenario and every, every single nook and corner of the product. So we uh, then deploy to a small data center where we have a small number of customers. This happens to be a Brazil data center. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is to find the next uh, set of issues if there are any. Right, because we use Git. Right. So we're not going to find issues with TFVC, per se, right? So we need other people using TFVC, maybe other people using the old XAML builds that are now no yeah, longer supported yeah. that we wouldn't be able to find ourselves because we dog food it, but we don't. We use it like we would normally use it, not right. these weird scenarios. Exactly, Got exactly. It. Then, uh, uh, by the way, we deploy this uh, in U.S. data, uh, in U.S. time zone, so that our team is awake, and if there are yep. any issues, they can deal with that. Okay. Um, then we deploy to a medium to large size U.S. data center. So again, the idea here is that now we want to test for scale and uh, you know larger load. So this uh, is where performance issues might find. Be yeah, found, we may find some uh, some things that we have not found in our internal synthetic data center, uh, synthetic. Our, uh, yeah, our big, uh, our go big environment. Go big environment, correct. Right. Um, and then we move on to the Ring Three, uh, and Ring Three contains a bunch of our large internal accounts, like an Azure account or an Office account, you know, things like that, as well as. Uh, external accounts, uh, uh, an external scale. So like units. Bing and those guys, Xbox, those guys yeah, are in here. Those guys are in here. Okay. And then we deploy to uh, all our data centers, all our scale units at this point. Okay. 
Okay. Including uh, that special uh, scale unit that everybody wants to learn about. So yes. We'll go there in a second. Okay. Uh, and so that's what the Ring 4 is. And Ring 4, I think we have, uh, so uh, in terms of number of scale units, uh, Ring 0 is just one scale unit, that's ours. Ring 1 is again a one small uh, scale unit. Uh, ring 2 is also just one medium to large size scale unit. Okay. And then Ring 3 is where we have three scale units and Ring 4 has 14 scale units. 14? Yeah, because we wow. keep adding more scale units. We just added one in Canada. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, so so we, we're going to just keep adding scale units to the rings we have, or will we ever have more rings? I think it's a good question. Um, the, uh, I think the answer is, uh, in the short run, I don't think we're going to add new ring. I think okay. we're just going to stay with this. But um, knock on wood, what if we have 100 scale units? Maybe we add a fifth ring? I, I'm not sure. We'll, 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 we'll decide. You'll yeah. cross that bridge when yeah, we get exactly. to it. But So right now, is it? how do you determine then how many... So four is the end, right? Four right four, now is the end, and correct. what we're going to do is like everyone, every new scale unit we add is just going into ring four right now, right? right? Okay, that's the plan. Yeah. Now, if if we ever reach a point to where a hundred scale units in that ring is just unmanageable, then we might go to a fifth ring and correct. then add some. I got it. Okay, yep. perfect. Cool. So yeah, you you touched on one thing because on the last show we talked about four A, right. right? What's not on here, and that it's a special scale unit for a particular customer that's very important to us. Yes. And I think you're going to talk about why we have that. And there was also another comment about it even has its own special database, yes. which I thought was really yes. interesting. So we're going to we're going to hold off. You're going to have to watch a little okay. longer because I don't think that's the next topic we're going to talk about. But we are going to answer 4A and the special database uh, as part of this as well. So where are we going to go next? You want to show us that actually what the physical deployment looks like? Yeah, so if you go to, um, this is the actual uh, release management uh, deployment definition um, in our scale unit. If you go there, it shows TFS prod update. So this is the definition for us to deploy our main service, uh, TFS. Okay. And it just shows uh, the layout of the rings. Uh, we have, as I said, four rings and the 4A, which runs in parallel with ring four. Perfect. Uh, that's a special scale unit. And each ring has, uh, uh, you know, multiple phases. So let me see if I can find the... Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, yeah, so this is what it looks like. So a ring definition, uh, this is the main uh, command line that does most of the heavy lifting of actually deploying the binaries and, um, and, and the schema. But it's a ring definition, very simple. You know, you pause, this is a pause in between the two rings. So you start with the pause, uh, particularly in ring one uh, and onwards. Then you uh, deploy the binaries. Then you pause for making sure the ATDT compat uh, uh, tests are all completed. Okay. Everything looks good. If everything doesn't look good and we, we have a set of metrics that we watch, then we can roll back at this point. But otherwise, we go and proceed and, and do the database update. Right, because so we, we always talk about we roll forward. The only exception is we the reason that we do our, our app tier first is because that it can actually be rolled back. Right. Once you deploy your database, then it's all, rolled forward. Yeah, you have to roll forward. So that's yeah. why this little there's a little asterisk by that we never yeah. roll back. We never roll back once we touch the database, right? right. But right. before that, we do have the ability. Yeah, and, and uh, in ring zero, we actually leave um, our ring zero in this ATDT compat mode, uh, where application tier is updated, but the data tier is not much longer, or more than 24 hours, uh, so that we can find all kinds of uh, issues, possible issues uh, through that. Uh, uh, compatibility uh, phase, gotcha. and and then when we go into the other scale units and other rings for customers, the pause is a little bit little bit less because we ironed out most of the issues earlier. Perfect, and also, 
I think we might have to have a whole other show on the database deployment itself. Because I know that sometimes that can take a long time. Sometimes you have to do schema yes. changes, data massaging, and that all happens in real time and we yeah. never take the service down. Yeah, it's, which, a, yeah, it's, it's a no time, no downtime uh, deployment and uh, that's, a, that's another Yeah, that thing, yeah, for sure, that, for yeah. sure. But yeah, okay, great. So this is what our, I love the fact that we, we always say this, we use VSTS to deploy VSTS. Yes. And well, it's kind of funny that there's obviously an instance running that's deploying its actual self. Yes. Yeah, which is <laughs> still always blows my mind a little bit. But this deployment doesn't start automatically, right? This is a every three weeks someone pushes that button that says it's time to deploy, yeah, right? Okay, right. Yeah, yeah, it's not not completely done automatically. Okay, great. So that explains the ring definition. And again, we, we showed 4A again. I think it's about time we tell people about 4A and what goes on. Yeah, there. let's do that. Okay. So was it, uh, yeah, okay, so 4A. So what is 4A? Uh, well, 4A is a, is a scale unit just like any other scale unit with a different backend, uh, with a different data tier primarily. Um, why do we need 4A? So we have a very special account in Microsoft. <laughs> this is the Windows account. <laughs> the entire Windows team and it's, uh, uh, you know, it's got about 25,000 users uh, uh, in that account. It's a massive account and it's got the kind of scale it has. It's, it's a 25 times bigger than the next biggest account that we have. Goodness. Uh, you know, some of the stats here, like it's got 10 million work items, 500 million revisions, we do 1 million queries a day, so it's a huge account. Um, and uh, therefore we needed a, when we first set this up, you know, a few years back, uh, even the largest SQL Azure database uh, would not be able to take up this much load. <laughs> so we had to set up a, an on-prem SQL uh, backend. So and this is a uh, always-on cluster with uh, six nodes, three in one data center, three in another data center for backup, wow. um, for failover. And of the three nodes, one is the primary node where we do the read-write, but the two acts as a read-only replica. And this is a special setup we have. Because we get so much traffic on the scale unit, we like to serve most of the read traffic from the read replica instead of ha hammering the primary uh, right. node. And, and so we have that special feature available for the on-prem SQL. Um, although we are talking to the SQL Azure team, so they can build this feature in the SQL Azure, and one day we would move to SQL Azure. The goal wow. is to move to SQL Azure, but that's why we have. And so we, we are using SQL Azure only as like disaster recovery backup stuff, right? But, so we actually have, or is that or is that not the case? No, in this case for this 4A, even SQL the Server is on-prem. It is on-prem SQL, including the disaster recovery wow. uh, cluster. They both cluster look exactly the same, they're just in two different data centers. But these are big uh, servers, you can see 88 cores, 1.5 terabytes of RAM. Uh, but again, this has to do with a very special account, uh, <laughs> you know, with a very large number of workers. And they, I'm from, I was having, I had an interview with Martin Woodward when we were at Ignite, and we were talking about Windows has the largest Git repository in the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like, I mean, we, when you talk about if we can handle Windows, yeah. we can handle anybody, right? Yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's absolutely. It's yeah. unbelievable. So, yeah, I knew there was a, I knew why we had 4A, but we wanted to finally answer that for people. Yeah. So, and that one of the questions specifically was, why is there a special database? And it's simply because it is too big yeah. for anything two, else. Two primary reasons. First, yeah, it's too big. The second thing is we want to take advantage of this read replica yes, uh, uh, capability. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so 25,000 users on the Windows team are using On a VSTS. single account, yeah. That's unbelievable. Yeah, so if we, like, as you said, if we can uh, support Windows on a single scale unit, we can pretty much support any company in the world. Yeah, I would think so too. I mean, it's, uh, talking about eating your own dog food, this is on the nth <laughs> degree, right? This exactly. Is, this is proof in the pudding that if anyone thinks VSTS isn't big enough or better uh, for them, you're wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's big enough for Windows, it's big enough for all of us. Awesome. So some of the other questions were about branching. Yes. I, I get that question quite a bit. Can you explain to us, because 
We have on our team 50, I think we have 50 feature teams with about 10 to 12 people per team. Yes. All merging into master every day. Correct. Right. And when I say that to people, their eyes roll back. They're like, how is that possible? Yeah. I mean, how do you do that? So can you so shed I think some light? It, um, yeah. So I think we should at some point do a deeper dive into our quality practices because that have a lot to do with how we manage. Uh, Interesting. Manage okay. Uh, but in at a high level, what I would say is that um, our entire team, if you, 50 feature teams, you know, about 700 plus uh, engineers, um, we all work in a single Git repository. Uh, and we all work off of master. And so a, an engineer would, if he wants to uh, do a uh, co commit to the master, works off of a topic branch and yep. then does a mer uh, merge to the master. With the pull request. With the pull request, mm -hmm. exactly. Uh, what this means is that we have to keep the master branch in extremely, extremely good shape because there are, we do about 600 pull requests per day. We do uh, hundreds of builds per day. So if, um, if one of the bad commits get in, um, it can destroy the entire value of uh, continuous integration. Sure. Uh, and, and we do uh, continuous integration. So uh, uh, one of the ways we do that is, uh, is by having a very large number of uh, tests that get run both as part of PR, the pull request, as well as part of CI. Yeah, that's going to be that's going to be a great and topic. And that's going to be another great topic. Yeah, because I I what's interesting is I when I'm on stage sometimes as a treat, I'll bring up our pull request screen. Yes. No matter where I am in the world, no matter what time zone I am, there is a pull request warning. Oh, absolutely. Every time I go there. Absolutely. And then I show them that we ran 60,000 unit <laughs> tests in 6 minutes and people are like, "Oh my god." Yeah. I'm like, "That's why we trust And this. by the way, I don't like 6 minutes. I actually want it to bring down to maybe <laughs> 2 minutes. Yeah. And, wow. and we, we will because this is really the a heartbeat of our team. This yeah. is, uh, you know, we want developers to be able to commit changes with confidence, and uh, moreover, when something breaks, when that signal, that 60,000 test or the additional test we run in CI, when any time that looks red, the team jumps on it, and they awesome. jumps on it and they fix it. Right. Because they know that that signal is extremely reliable, yes. and that's sort of the lifeblood of the That's going to be an amazing show. So we're going to have Manil back. We're not going to do that right now on this topic. We're going to stay on basically going back and answering all the questions from the previous one, but I cannot wait to talk yeah. about that. So let's jump into branching yeah, and so, how and we then, actually do and that. So yeah, uh, there was a question about release uh, branch. So, sure. so what happens? So yeah, we work in three-week sprints. Everybody works off master. All the changes go into the master. At the end of the three weeks, we cut the release branch, and then the actual production deployment that I just showed that happens off of the release branch. Got it. Um, and so there's a there was a question like, what happens if there is a bug that we detect in production and we take a hot fix and, and what happens to that fix? So uh, because we want to get the fix out as quickly as possible into production, the fix goes into the release branch. So we just Obviously, go work there, we makes, do a fix, fix there and, and get it out. And it goes through the same ring process, although there are some, uh, we can talk about that, like you know, depending on the severity of the fix, um, if it's a very uh, bad bug, you know, then we would just deploy straight to the scale unit where the problem occurred and, and just get it out there. Uh, but if it's a, a little bit less severe, uh, we call sev zero means like everything is down. Sure. Then you just want to get it out as quickly as possible. If it's sev one, we we still deploy to a ring zero because again we want to eat our dog food first. Yes. And then get it out to uh, uh, the scale unit that's uh, affected. If it's a little bit less, then we go through the entire. Uh, ring model again, even for the hot fixes. So yeah, it, it may take few hours to to get it out. 
but it, uh, again, the importance of uh, controlling the exposure of the changes that we make is so so important. That uh, do hot fixes also go through all the same testing as a normal feature? Absolutely. Perfect. So one of okay. the beauty of uh, uh, the work we have done to completely redo our testing is that we can run our uh, our entire test collateral, our entire test suite of the entire product within a couple hours. Gotcha. Doesn't take that long. So gotcha. as a result of that, uh, if it's an hot fix uh, and if it's not a very high severity hot fix, we can. Uh, run our entire test suite on, on that change. If it's a high severity hot fix, we can still run bulk of our test within within half an hour or one Yeah, hour. for sure. Even like, like I said, the six minutes for a PR, right? Exactly. So that's 60,000 unit tests exactly. being run against that as well. Exactly. And are we doing anything like test impact analysis or anything like that to speed up some of our, our uh, hot fixes? We, we, we are looking into test impact analysis, uh, but right now our focus is on ensuring that our tests run really, really fast. Sure. Uh, and reliably, are, though. And, and reliably. Yeah. And we are maniacally focused on both. So okay. what we do is that we continuously measure the time each test takes, and there are limits that we put on how much an L0 or a unit test should take, how much an end-to-end -end test should take, and okay. anytime a, a test uh, crosses a threshold, uh, you know, we, we file bugs and go fix it. Again, we are kind of getting into the second part of the talk, but that's... Uh, I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, so coming back to the, the uh, release branch question, I think there was a question uh, about what happens when you... Uh, so you took this change to the release branch, then what happens? Does yes. it go back to the master? So yeah, what we do is we use the, um, the cherry pick feature that we have in Git, and we take that fix, point fix that was done on the release branch and maybe uh, bring it back to the master. So why would you have to, just curious now, why would we have to use a cherry pick? Why would you not be able to just merge the, the release branch back into master wholesale? Like why would you have to cherry pick a change? Because any change made in the release branch has to be in master too, right? Yeah, uh, we, we could potentially do that, except that these changes are happening, um, we, we don't make too many changes in the release branch. So these are changes that are happening uh, maybe once or twice a day. So when that happens, we just take that particular change and move it to the master. Mm, it's easier to do it that way. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Um, so what do we see if we covered all the questions here? Because I remember we were on Okay, so one other thing. So um, we cut the release branch. It takes about a week from what I understand. So if everything goes perfectly and there are no hot fixes, a week later it's in ring four and everyone's happy. Do you delete that branch? No, we never delete a branch. You never delete that branch. You this just merge a, back again, into it. This is the beauty of Git: is that the cost of uh, creating a branch cheap. and keep branches are cheap. So sure. we just we just leave them around. So, so you leave and all the release branches around, or yeah. do you reuse the same release branch every three weeks to deploy the no, next version? No, every every sprint gets its own release branch. Ah, and the reason is that uh, if you think about the fact that it takes us, it actually takes a little bit more than a, a week to go through all the four rings because okay. we. We take two days just to deploy to a ring zero. Uh, right, remember I told you the 24-hour yep. gap? Yep. Uh, and then we wait for a day, and then we do the ring one, and we wait for a day, and then do ring two, and so forth. So it takes about 10 days or so okay. to go through all the rings. Um, sometimes we have two ring deployments happening at the same time. And so as a, as, a, as a result of that, we have to keep all these release branches alive. So an example is, while you're deploying this current release, that just uh, current sprint that just got finished, Guess what? We uh, we found a hot uh, a bug in the later ring of the uh, previous release. Then we need to go and do a point hot fix for that. So we have to keep the release branch uh, around from the previous release in case we have to do, in case we have to do hot fix from. Uh, gotcha, from the gotcha, gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So so are you telling me we've never deleted any of those sprints? We still have Sprint One branch in there somewhere. I don't know about Sprint 1, <laughs> but uh, because Sprint 1 started when we were not on Get back Git, then, right? Yeah, yeah you're so. so, but, okay, so I, was, I would think eventually, 
Because in the scenario you just gave, I understand why you need at least n minus one branches, yeah. right? You need the one that's currently in production. Right. You need the one that's going into production, and you need master. Yeah. But it seems like once this one is all the way in production, you wouldn't need n yeah, minus you, one anymore. I, I, technically, you're right. We could okay. potentially go delete them, but uh, they're cheap. In Git, these are like yeah, it's just a pointer. Yeah, I mean, it's, they, cheap. It, it's cheap. They, yeah, exactly. So we don't bother with it. Okay, interesting. That that was a definitely a question that. And we that's got as the well. great thing about uh, you know using the Git workflow is that uh, the creation of branch, maintenance of branch, all of this is so cheap. Yeah. Uh, it, you can you can. Have Get away with keeping them yeah. around, exactly. I'm trying to go through and see if we asked, um, answered all the questions, but I think we, that we actually did. We talked about hotfix deployments, and hotfix deployments, they go out twice a day, is that correct? So There's two trains, I think so they call we have, them. So we have uh, something called You can show if you have Yeah, something. let me see if I have a picture yeah. that I was going to. Because we also had a picture, I thought, of the branch, uh, how the branches kind of work together, too, at yeah. some point. Oh yeah, this is yeah. talking about the bake time that we have in all of our ring deployments. Yeah, so. um, I thought I had a picture, but uh, anyway. So what we have is, um, so we do the major sprint deployment, mm -hmm. and then we do daily deployments. Again, daily deployments go out of the release branch. So this is a case where it's not necessarily a, a fix to a life site bug, but um, maybe there was a small tweak that people wanted to make, the feature that just went out and they got some customer feedback and they want to tweak something in the UI or something. So we allow, uh, we do have a daily deployment train that goes out from the release branch and that takes a set of changes uh, from, uh, uh, from, the, from the team in case they want to make some small changes. Awesome. Um, and then if you have to do a hot fix on top of that, then we can either do a hotfix as a separate uh, a deployment, or it can just roll as part of the daily deployment. Got it. Okay, perfect. Depending so, on the urgen urgency of the change. Yeah. Awesome. Well, looking through my notes here, I believe that we've answered uh, all the questions that were that were asked from the okay. previous show. I have a feeling that we covered a lot of stuff. We're probably going to get a lot of questions on this show as well, and hopefully you'll be willing to come back. And we are yeah. going to film the quality show. I yes, think, absolutely. Looking forward to it. Yeah, that, that yeah. testing show is going to be insane on how we went from what was it, some 25,000 or 27,000 manual tests down to the, the number of we, unit tests. We went from uh, a test pass that took more than two days that actually never never passed 100% to a world <laughs> where we now do our entire test pass in less than a couple hours and it just runs like clockwork uh, awesome. and keeps our master really healthy, allows our developers to make this massive number of changes to master uh, with confidence right. um, and with trust. They trust the CI signal. I think that's really the, uh, Very the core important. principle we are, tr are trying to drive. And, and of course, it has improved our feature velocity. And you know, if sure. you go to our feature timeline on videostudio.com uh, where we do the product updates, you can see we've been posting a uh, number of features shipped every sprint since 2011. And you can see a steady increase in the wow. number of features that we've delivered. In fact, in 2016, we delivered more features than the previous four years combined. Wow. Yeah. And, That's and, unbelievable. So our velocity has gone up uh, because of uh, the changes we made here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as well. And trust me, we'll have Manil back. Thanks so much. See ya.